Hi friends, Rich here and welcome to the Youth Ministry Conversation. It's so great you've decided to take some time out and join us for this session. We hope this will be a space where you can take a few minutes to listen, learn and reflect. In this episode, we'll be welcoming Dr. Lucy Shirker, Director of Research at Youthscape, and hearing her thoughts on what's next for youth ministry in a post-COVID-19 world. This was taken from our last online gathering of the Youth Ministry Conversation. Now, a quick disclaimer here. Lucy did use a number of slides in her presentation, so we've actually made what she had to say available as a video on our website too. So, no offence will be received if this is where you stop listening to the podcast and switch to the video. But if you're willing to continue, then sit back, relax, and here's Lucy. Hi, everybody. So, I understand this is kind of a series looking at what is next for youth ministry, youth ministry as we kind of emerge out of, out of the pandemic. And the, the way I come at this question is obviously through research and through kind of evidence. So that's what I want to share with you tonight. What I want to do is, is just drop in on four different research projects that we've done um, at Youthscape over the last 18 months. And I'm just going to pull out a few headlines that I think will tell a bit of a story of um, where, where were we? before all of this and what just happened in terms of the pandemic some of what we understand there um, and then and and then what um, is being revealed in the church as a result of that and a bit of a hint of one direction that we might want to sort of go to, to go forward in as well so that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do um, it will be a little bit whistle stop but I will try not to race too much and I'm going to share my screen because I'm going to use um, some charts and some graphs and some stats and things like that as I go so let me head to the beginning um, and and share some of this stuff with you. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna launch straight in. Um, the first of the things that I want to share from is a report that we just recently finished for the St Albans Diocese. So we were asked by the Diocese of St Albans to review the state of youth ministry. What is going on there? And it will be a different context to the place that you are in. Um, not all of you will come from a kind of a Church of England context or, or background some of you will be in different denominations but I think some of the things that we learned through this report which you can find on the St Albans website if you're interested um, I think captures some of the challenges that were facing um, youth ministers volunteers and paid before the pandemic hit so this is going to be harsh we're sort of going in at the deep end so take a deep breath <laughs> but I want to show you this which is what we we learned from looking at some of the information of how many children and young people were present in churches across the St Albans Diocese um, for the four years between 2015 and 2018. And without going into loads of the detail, you can see the big picture that the church was facing a real challenge with, with children and young people, their families leaving and, and more were not coming. This is an environment of real missional challenge. And even if you go for the kind of the measure that is most likely to catch young people who don't necessarily turn up on a Sunday, but they might be there in a midweek group, which is the kind of orange line there, what we did is we projected forwards from those four years all the way up to 2035. And essentially we were looking at a situation where 
if we don't prioritise youth work and mission with young people, potentially in between 10 and 15 years, there wouldn't be any young people in our churches on a Sunday. And although that is, that's, that's kind of shocking to hear, don't be too panicked because life does not work out like that. That's just a graph. But, but what it does reflect is that there, is, there, has, there was a real challenge um, facing churches. This one might be familiar to you as well. Have a look at the difference between what's there on the left, young children, and what there, what's there on the right, older teenagers. So we asked churches, are you providing activities for any of these age ranges? And churches were so much more likely to be doing something for younger children than they were for teenagers. The older you get, the less likely it is that there's an activity for you to do. Um, again, I'd be interested to hear, is this your experience as well? Or is this unusual for the diocese that we were looking at? But I think what we took from that is something that reflected other research we've done, actually. It's easier to find volunteers for younger children. There's a greater confidence in doing children's work than there is in, in youth work. So there's a task we've got, which is to talk up the incredible mission with young people, how important it is, how valuable you are, especially if you're a volunteer and giving your time to this ministry, because um, not loads of people are doing it. We also found that, um, I think compared to maybe 15 or 20 years ago, there weren't loads of churches that were running youth groups. So, um, I think it was a 57% were running a youth group um, and, and, and only half of that kind of had mainly Christian content. But actually we found that, that as you got older as well, you were less likely to be involved in a youth group. And some, some of the wider data on that shows that across the whole of the Church of England, only a quarter of churches, so 25%, are offering regular activities for teenagers only a quarter are offering regular activities for teenagers. So if you are doing something, anything in that context, or to be honest, in, in the denomination you're in, thank you. <laughs> you are in a minority and what you're doing is so important. And then this is a kind of cycle that we found when we talked in particular, we, we spoke to uh, about 108 vicars in the Church of England and asked them to tell us what it is like in terms of your work with young people. And this is the story that we were told. We don't have many young people. So if you start up in the top left of that kind of diagram and um, we've only got so many three or maybe we've got four or, or five and it doesn't doesn't quite feel like there's enough for a group. So it's really it feels a bit weak. And sometimes so and so sister brings someone along, but sometimes they don't come and then it, it, it's quite awkward. There aren't many of us. And in that environment, it's a really rare leader who goes, I'm going to prioritise this. <laughs> I, personally, I think you should, if you look at a small group of three or four or five. But a lot of the time in church, that's hard to say, let's put resource into that when it looks like you could put it somewhere else. But what happens when you don't prioritise youth work in that environment is you get really patchy kind of provision. Um, it's harder to recruit volunteers. Um, and, and then, of course, what happens is, is families maybe turn up and they think, oh, there's not much going on here for young people or young people leave. And then you get this cycle that you've got to try and interrupt where you don't have enough young people for a group. Uh, again, this might not be your experience, but I'm just sharing it because if for anyone this is your experience, if you think 
yeah, we've only got a few and it makes it really hard. And sometimes I'm not sure whether it's going to work to, to run a group or anything like that. You're not alone. This is a challenge that is facing um, a number of churches. And I think the lessons that I take from that are we've got a real need to invest in youth work. We had that before the pandemic. There is good work with children, but it needs to be built on so that we also have that that work for when they get to kind of, to be honest, nine, 10, you know, before they get to 11 or 12, there needs to be something for them to do. Some, some people who are waiting to work with them. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, but also, if you are working with small numbers, that is not failure. That is a foundation. Um, so for so many churches, that is the situation we are in. It's small. And so we need models for youth work that say small is the foundation. It's not a problem. We can work with small. It might not be the big thing on, you know, in a church hall on a Friday night that's going to attract loads of young people in the community. That might not be it, but it doesn't mean you can't do really good and valuable youth work with a handful of young people. Okay, so that's research project number one. <laughs> you can see what I mean about racing through. Okay, number two, what just happened? We did a survey of um, 500 youth workers in November slash December last year. And we asked them to tell us the story of, of how many young people they were engaging with at three points in time. In January 2020, in sort of April, May time, 2020 so when we were in the first lockdown and then as schools reopened and we when we got into the autumn time um, how many they were engaging with there and we and we said you can tell us up to three activities that you do with young people maybe on a Sunday or in a church youth group or maybe some community activity you do um, but but tell us the kind of numbers there and we had about half of that group tell us about all three time points and so I want to show you what we learned from talking to them. The first thing that we learned is of the 822 different activities they told us about, um, about a third stopped completely, just over a third stopped completely, just over half moved online and then some of them were replaced by something else. And that something else was sometimes people misunderstanding the question and saying, oh, we went on to Zoom. Uh, but sometimes it was people genuinely doing something that wasn't stopping or online. It might have been a weekly phone call or something, um, you know, uh, delivering things to people's doorsteps or that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, that's massive, isn't it? A third of stuff just stopped completely. We also added up all of the numbers and averaged across all the different activities uh, for all these youth workers, what is the average loss that we are talking about? And, and it's pretty significant. So between pre-lockdown, sort of January time last year, down to lockdown and then back up again, that's the shape of the impact of the pandemic for these youth workers that we spoke to. We're not saying this is the same for everyone. It might not reflect your experience, but for those we surveyed, uh, across all those activities, there was an average of about 19 that were being engaged with. That would have also included big community youth projects or even some kind of schools work, which is why those numbers might seem quite high to you. Um, but that dropped down to about 6.1. And when it recovered, as you can see, it didn't recover into the autumn anywhere near the numbers that we were engaging with before. So there was a recovery, but it wasn't a huge recovery. 
Interestingly, we also found that significantly more young people attended activities that were restarted in person than those that continued online. That may not surprise you. <laughs> when there was an opportunity to finally be back in a room together, um, lots of young people did want to come back and there was an energy in the autumn for being back in person for, for a number of young people. Um, so you can see that's the kind of purple, the kind of purpley pink line there, um, that, that anything that was restarted in person, we saw higher numbers. So again, we're probably, you may be experiencing this again now, anything that you continued doing online versus restarting in person, you might well have seen a similar kind of recovery there. And then I'm going to just pause on this one because it might look a little bit complicated, but these are the different types of activities that we said, um, that we asked about. So, so tell us if you were doing an activity that was a church group or a community group or something on a Sunday. And what this is showing us is that it was community youth work that had the highest numbers on average to start with. But that was also the context that suffered most severely the impact of the pandemic. So in other words, the loss was greatest amongst young people that weren't part of churches. Uh, so again, we, we've, we've slightly been scratching our heads to say we don't entirely know what this means, but we think it might mean that, uh, that um, some of that community work people told us about was in schools and it just... It just wasn't possible to be in schools and to keep contact with those young people. But also, I mean, from our experience at Youthscape, we've got an open access drop-in. And that was just not, we weren't able to continue that because it wasn't safe uh, to have young people just kind of wandering wandering back in. And so we also heard when we, when we um, asked, tell us the story of the impact of the pandemic, a lot of those youth workers said, we've kept onto the core those young people that we knew already, those that were in, in committed to church, and we've lost the fringe. And a lot of that fringe were young people in the community. So that really raises questions. How do we rebuild that? How do we prioritise um, mission to those who aren't part of church, as well as sort of a sense of holding on to and doing work with those who are? So then we also said, like, tell us the story about what's changed about your engagement with youth work and young people over the course, over the course of the pandemic. And I really kind of loosely categorised these into, was it a wholly positive story I heard? Was it a wholly negative story or was it a mixed bag? And I think it speaks for itself to some extent that there are positive stories of what has happened over lockdown. There are some people for whom this has actually been amazing for their youth work, but they really are in a minority. For most of us, it has been really tough and the impact has been really severe. Um, and for a, a good chunk of us, it's been mixed. There's been some wonderful stuff and there's been some hard stuff. And that looks a little bit like this, sort of digging into that slightly more the nearly 50% that just told a story that was pretty negative said it's really because um, online engagement's just been poor. Young people have really struggled with Zoom. They've stopped completely. Uh, they've just, the, the quality of the engagement has been worse. Um, and Or maybe they're beginning to engage without their cameras now and it feels really hard. I'm aware that I'm telling this story at a time where we're sort of coming out of this. So it might feel a bit odd to, to be telling this story, but this is where we were. And then the mixed was kind of saying, Maybe we've kept the core, we've lost the fringe, maybe the differences in age. We heard a lot of people saying the younger ones are doing well, it's the older ones we've lost contact with. 
we've heard some people saying there aren't as many, but the ones that have stayed, we've gone really deep with. So it was, you can see there just a sense that on the one hand, this, and on the other hand, that. And then lastly, the kind of 16% who said, actually, this has been really good. They'd had consistent attendance. They had seen signs of new life. And some of them actually said that, you know, this has been better than it was before, which is wonderful, even though that's a minority. But it has been challenging. And when we asked about those challenges, half of them were about young people, just that they've struggled to engage. We've lost contact with them. It's harder to offer, to offer them pastoral support, harder to know how are they really doing. But the other half of those challenges, which you might relate to, are about youth work teams. If you are a volunteer youth worker, you might have experienced a real knock in terms of your capacity. You might have been furloughed and had lots more time. You might have found yourself having to homeschool and work and try and care about these young people all at the same time. We had we had youth workers saying, I feel really guilty about the fact that um, I needed a rest and I've had it. <laughs> We've had youth workers saying, I feel like I'm a failure. I'm struggling with exhaustion. How do I keep this going? How do I find new resources? And if any of that is you, you are not alone. These are the kinds of things that we heard. So really challenging stuff. But we also heard about opportunity. And so this is that kind of point in, in this telling of the story where um, I think, you know, I'm going to ask a question to all of you later, which is what has this revealed in this time? And when we asked about what opportunities have been created, I think we learn some stuff here. So on this first one, the pandemic has necessitated creativity. Not that we're good at it all the time, not that it works all the time, but we've had to adapt. Um, and that's been in the way we've communicated with young people, the model or the approach or the platform that's been used. And actually, even before I go on to the rest of these, let me just tell you this, because I, I still think this, this is an extraordinary statistic. I read a, I read a piece of research in 2019 where a group called the All Churches Trust had surveyed about 600 Anglican churches and they had asked the question, would you offer online youth work if you had all the skills and resources to do it? And 7% of churches said they would. <laughs> Even if we had all the resources and skills to offer online youth work, only 7% said, yeah, we'd do that. And then you fast forward six months and nearly everyone who's got some youth work has, ha has had to do it. So sometimes we don't choose to innovate or to be different, but sometimes we are absolutely forced to and, and that creativity is necessitated. But there's been, there's been an opportunity for greater depth, for, for greater relationship. We heard that some young people, it's revealed their desire to connect and they hadn't found the way to do it before. Some young people who are neurodivergent or who struggle to be in person, who might otherwise have had their needs not met or they wouldn't have been noticed, that some of those have really benefited from a different way of doing youth work. We've heard that young people have contributed more. The pandemic has revealed young people's gifts where they have been allowed to participate. We've heard that youth workers have had to review their priorities. Some people saying, you know, we've wanted to think differently for ages and now we have to. And we also heard that for some who otherwise would not be able to make it in person, they were able to still be there. Um, and then for others that actually relationships with parents 
um, benefited as well. So that is encouraging. Some good stuff has been revealed in this pandemic. There you go, some quotes to bring that to life slightly, what that might look like. Discovering the online world, rethinking our youth work structure. Um, a Minecraft missional gaming community has come out of this for somebody, raising some eyebrows there. Um, but also developing leadership in young people. They've got a much better understanding of the technology. I wonder if you've heard that as well, that often now, suddenly, when you are doing online church, everyone's looking at the 16-year-old who, in a very different way, and going, can you help us with this? <laughs> so we heard that story over and over again as well. So whistle stop, that's number two. I will speed up for the last ones. So the, then research report number three, we actually did this before the pandemic, but I've been really seeing it differently since this all began. This was an exploration of the role of Christian practice in missional youth ministry. And what I mean by Christian practice there's a definition there together, uh, definition there at the top. But these are the kinds of things that we were researching uh, and, and, and we launched this last May. We did a survey of about 235 youth workers. We did focus groups and we did case studies of different youth work projects. And we wanted to know what is it that youth workers actually do? <laughs> what are the practices? What is it that if, if you never got to speak ever again about Jesus, but we just looked at your life, what would we work out it means to be a Christian just by looking at how you spend your time? Um, and, and what is it that you do with young people? What do they learn how to practice by being part of your community? And um this is what we asked youth workers, which of these are you intentionally practicing? And you can see that before the pandemic, we had a lot of the things that you would do when you are gathered with your church were the things that are right up at the top there. What, I, what we do is we worship and we sing together. We, we bless each other. We attend church. We pray. We study. We learn about scripture. And look at the stuff that's down at the bottom. Unsurprising, perhaps. Fasting <laughs> is something that's right down at the bottom there but also lament, expressing suffering, living simply, healing, challenging injustice and resting were, were the things that as the youth work community, we said we don't do that as much as these other things. And so one of the things we took from that is, gosh, we, we have an opportunity to broaden our practice because God has given us all these incredible ways of being and doing that express his kingdom. And it's like a table laden with all this amazing food and we're all up at one end, <laughs> just focusing on the stuff that we is our core diet in some way. And there's all this richness that maybe we haven't tasted for a while. But we asked that question again during the pandemic and we did see some sh a shift um, in May. There's much less singing but there's more celebration. <laughs> we didn't quite get under the surface of what that meant, but we thought that was interesting. Perhaps that was partly just the fact that it felt important to mark even things like clapping for the NHS carers or birthdays or things with young people, taking opportunities to celebrate. These were the ones that I found particularly interesting. There was, there was more rest. Youth workers were telling us we are resting more in the pandemic. We're, we're practicing Sabbath. We are lamenting more and seeing an expression of suffering as being something that we do as Christians. And look at that from 29% to 52% saying, I'm living more simply, but actually trying to do that as partly as, as a Christian, um, not just 
um, as me. Okay. I'm going to skip that and I'm just going to show you this. These are the practices where there are big gaps between what we talk about and what we do. And in some ways, this is the bit that I want to land on because one of the implications of this piece of research is that we, we do a lot of talking about stuff <laughs> in church and maybe with young people as well. Our go-to is to say, let me teach you about hospitality or let me teach you about forgiveness or let me tell you why Christians challenge injustice. Um, and, and we asked about doing it with young people in your church and outside your church as well. But we are less likely in a number of contexts to actually say, come and do this with me. I will tell you, I will tell you about it, but I'm actually going to invite you to participate, to actually do it with me. We're not going to just talk about loving your enemies. We're going to make a space. We are going to do that today, or we're going to actually do forgiveness right now. We are going to challenge injustice in some way while we are together. So here's an example of what that might look like. Final, final one in the last minute or so. We did a piece of research with Tear Fund called Burning Down the House, which was exploring how young Christians feel about the climate and how they feel about how their churches are engaging with um, climate change. And we found that nine out of the 10 Christian teenagers we surveyed were concerned about climate change, but only one out of 10 thought their church was doing enough about it. So there's a real gap there between how much these young people we surveyed cared and what they thought their church was doing. A lot of these young people are taking some kind of action. They're more likely to recycle than they are to eat less meat or to post on social media because there's still a lot of them quite worried about their friends, what their friends will think. But they are, they're active. They are a lot of them doing this and they'll be willing to do more. 57% um, told us they'd prayed in the last year about climate change. But 85% said they were willing to pray about climate change. So there was a willingness to, to really get involved in this. But when we asked, what could adults do in your church that would most help you respond? It was less about help me understand. And look what's up at the top there. Show me practically how to make a difference and give me opportunities to do it. And when, we, when that came back in the research, I really saw the link between this and the We Do God research to say, do you know what, I think young people... They sort of understand that, that this is something important to do. But I, what I hear them saying through this is, can we actually do something about this? And can we do that together? Can you not? Can you show me what we can do? And could we actually do that together? This was one of those young people's messages. When the world looks back at the church in 200 years time, will they think the church helped to stop climate change or were part of the problem? Will they view the church as a positive part of society, which is a catalyst of change or negative and outdated. That was really quick and I'm so sorry, but if there are headlines that you wanna take from that, this is what I would say. Um, if you, I think what we've learned is that youth work needs to be prioritized. This is a moment where we need to advocate for youth work and for, and for young people in the church. So what, whatever you are doing, the fact that you are a youth work volunteer or paid youth work is a, by itself incredibly prophetic and incredibly important and thank you. If you have found it really hard, you are not alone. <laughs> it has been really tough. Um, one, But one thing I think I would say as we go forward from this is that we have an opportunity, this is a wider conversation, isn't it, that is happening more broadly to remake the world that we are in. Therefore, 
how can you give space for young people to participate in that? Not to be passengers while the adults do it, remaking a world that is more just and has more of God's presence, has greater community, is more full of love. How do they become participants so that we close the gap between the things we talk about in the kingdom of God and the things we actually invite them to do with us? How do we take them seriously um, and, and give them space to do that? So I believe we've got some questions that you guys are going to now discuss to get into the meat of some of that. Um, so I think the headlines are, <laughs> what just happened? You might want to talk a little bit about how you um, experienced the pandemic. What kind of phrase or idea sums this up for you? Do you recognise the story that I told in your experience? What is being revealed about our priorities, uh, about our capacity to be creative? What have you noticed? And then finally, what and how can you get young people to be participants in, um, in ushering in the kingdom of God in this place they are and not just passengers along for the ride while adults are in, in the driving seat of church? Well, thanks for that, Lucy. And thanks for the questions too for us to be reflecting on. Friends, it may have been hard to hear some of the research that Lucy had to share with us, but can I encourage you not to give up? Be inspired by it. See this as a moment in history of opportunity for us to change how we do youth ministry for the better. Can I encourage you to share the facts with your church leaders so they too can understand the need for change in how we reach young people with the good news of Jesus. So friends, that's it for this episode of the Youth Ministry Conversation. We hope it's been helpful and we look forward to engaging with you again at one of our next gatherings, which you can find out about our website at wearemovement.net. But for now, take care and have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.